Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjavi Hari Gobi
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 11, Lord Krishna's Entrance into Dwaraka, Text 15. This is on July 21, 2011, Skype and phone class from Hilo, Hawaii. Dwari, Dwari, Grihanam Cha. Dwari, 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 Grihanam Cha. Dadyakshata Palik should be. Dadya <coughs> Dvari Dvari Grihanamcha Yadyakshatta Palekshubi Yadyakshatta Palekshubi Alankritang Purnakumbhair Alankritang Purnakumbhair Palibir Dupati Pikai Dvari-dvari-grihanam-cha-dvari-dvari-grihanam-cha-dvari-dvari-grihanam-cha-dvari-dvari-grihanam-cha-dvari-dvari-grihanam-cha-dvari-dvari-grihanam-cha-dvari
The door of each and every house. The door door of each and every house. Rihanam. Of all the residential buildings. Of all the residential buildings. Cha. 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 And. 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 Daddy. Daddy. Curd. 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 That means yogurt, by the way. It doesn't mean what we normally call curd. Akshata. Akshata. Unbroken. Unbroken. Pala. 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 Fruit. 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 Ikshubihi. Ikshubihi. Sugar cane. Sugar cane. Alankritam. Alankritam. Decorated. 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 Purna Kumbhai. Purna Kumbhai. Full water pots. Full water pots. Bali Bihi. Bali Bihi. Along with articles for worship. Along with articles for worship. Dupa. 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 Incense. Incense. Deepakai. Deepakai. With lamps and candles. With lamps and candles. If I could interrupt just for a moment. For, again, for anybody who just came in, we're on 111, text 15. Thank you very much, Mother Ermila, for giving class. Now, if we could all please mute at this time so there's no interruptions. And, Ermila Mataji, if you give me one second to switch over here. Okay, just one second. I'm switching to another mic. Translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada. In each and every door of the residential houses, auspicious things like curd, unbroken fruits, sugar cane, and full water pots with articles for worship, incense, and candles were all displayed. Purport. The process of reception, according to Vedic rites, is not at all dry. The reception was made not simply by decorating the roads and streets, as above mentioned, but by worshipping the Lord with requisite ingredients like incense, lamps, flowers, sweets, fruits, and other palatable eatables, according to one's capacity. All were offered to the Lord, and the remnants of the foodstuff were distributed among the gathering citizens. So it was not like a dry reception of these modern days. Each and every house was ready to receive the Lord in a similar way, and thus each and every house on the roads and streets distributed such remnants of food to the citizens 
and therefore the festival was successful. Without distribution of food, no function is complete, and that is the way of Vedic culture. Dwari Dwari Grehanamcha Dad Yakchata Palekshubhi Alankritam Punar Kumbhar Bali Bir Dupadi Pakai. In each and every door of the residential houses, auspicious things like curd, unbroken fruits, sugar cane, and full water pots with articles for worship, incense, and candles were all displayed. So here is reception, Vedic reception of a guest. What to speak of the prince of the city? What to speak of the supreme personality of Godhead? So I've spent a lot of my life traveling, and especially the last five years, I've been traveling from one city to another, one place to another. And where you go, you get different kinds of reception. So I'm sure we've, anyone, unless you've never left your home, so you get different kinds of reception at different places. At some places, people pick you up at the airport or the train station. They drive you to your destination. And when you get there, everything's clean and they have some water ready for you and something nice to eat, some place to bathe, some towels. And other places, nobody picks you up at the airport. When you finally get to where you're going, there's no place for you to stay or the place is dirty. Right? So we've had these different kinds of experiences. So I, I remember one time devotees invited me to stay someplace. Uh, they had specifically invited me. I wasn't going to go there anyway. And when I got there, everything was black with dirt. Uh, you couldn't even touch anything. I said, excuse me, do you have some kind of cleaning supplies? Right? Or one other place, I remember when I was invited, the only guest room they had was for visiting sannyasis. So they didn't know if it was appropriate to put a woman there. And therefore, they put me in the storage room. And everything was full of mildew. And finally, I was so sick there. I said, listen, just put me in the other room. I had a really interesting experience once. I was traveling from place to place where everything was run by Indians. And I became accustomed to getting a nice reception. I mean, at least when you get there, you're offered some place to sit down and some water and some, something to eat. And then I visited a temple where the uh, leaders there were Westerners. And they didn't even invite me to sit down. You know, I, I have to say after a while, uh, is there a place I could sit down? And after like a half an hour, um, could I get some water? <laughs> and I think it was several hours before they offered me something to eat. So different kinds of reception. And we can think of how we feel. How do we feel at these different kinds of reception? Now, how do you feel when you're invited to someone's house and you go there and everything's dirty? Their dirty laundry is all over the place. Right, I remember one householder's house where I stayed, uh, these were Indians, where they had obviously never cleaned the bathrooms. The bathroom smelled like an Indian train bathroom or a really dirty petrol gas station. Uh, you could, couldn't even breathe in the bathrooms. It was so dirty. And there were cockroaches running all over their altar. And I was thinking, how am I going to worship my, my Govardhan Sheila here? How am I going to even take a bath? You know, take a bath. You get more dirty taking a bath than you were before you took a bath. So when we go to places like this, you know, you don't want to stay. I remember that those people's house, they even had a program there. And I didn't want to stay. I was thinking, 
I cannot wait to get out of here. I thought at least I'm only staying for one night. Right? I didn't even want to breathe in the place. And other places that you go, you never want to leave. You know, some places I've gone, there's this one family that I visit uh, regularly in Slovakia. They have a lot of programs at their home. And their house is always neat and clean. Their altar is always beautiful. And when, uh, when I get there, the room where I'm going to stay, they always have a little basket that's full of little tiny bottles of things like shampoo, a little bar of soap. You, know, you feel like you've gone to some five-star hotel. So it's very nice. It's, it's a very welcoming reception. And you think, oh, I'd, I'd like to stay here forever. So Krishna also feels the way we feel. Prabhupada says that you can understand Krishna by understanding our own psychology. Just like one drop of ocean water has the same chemical composition as the whole ocean. Says Krishna has all the natural instincts and proclivities that we do. So Krishna also likes to have a nice reception. And he doesn't like to have a, a disrespectful reception. I mean, just again, just think about the last time you went someplace when you, it was a disrespectful reception. How did you feel? Oh, did you want to stay there? Maybe even thinking, oh, these people are insulting me. And how you felt when you went someplace where it was a nice reception. Nice reception on the physical level. Things were clean. Things were neat. Things were beautiful. And nice reception on the emotional level. That people came and said, oh, hello, I'm so happy you've come. Thank you for coming to our place. Or did people just ignore you and not even say hello? I, I know uh, Peter Burwash gave a talk at New Vrindavan one year where he said that in that year he had visited 44 temples and in only two of them was he greeted. Only two times did people come up to him and say, oh, Hare Krishna, what's your name? Welcome to our temple. And he said in many of these other temples, many people walked by him and sometimes just Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. He said, okay, fine, but you also have to say hello to your guests. If, for those of you who don't know Peter Burwash, uh, he's been a devotee for a very long time, I, since maybe the 60s or early 70s. Met Prabhupada many, many times. He's a successful, very famous tennis player, very successful business person who gives a lot of service and donations to our movement. Uh, but this is often typical, right? How how we receive people. And the Vedic the Vedic idea is that, first of all, your home should always be ready to receive guests. Atiti. Atiti means the guest who comes without notice. Of course, in modern society with mobile phones and email, it's pretty rare that guests show up without notice. But in former times, without that type of communication, it was much more common. Also, in former times, when people traveled, uh, they would stay in temples or monasteries. There were not hotels and restaurants. And they would often also stay at people's homes. So people were ready, temples, monasteries, homes, they were always ready to greet guests. I've, I've thought many times that the householder's duty of receiving guests is one way you keep your house clean. And you know, a guest may show up at any time. At least when you know a guest is coming, right? You clean your house, you cook something special, you make sure that you're wearing clean and attractive clothes. Right? You burn some incense, as mentioned here. 
dupa, burning incense. And of course, in Vedic times, uh, Vedic times even just, we, we read in the Bible about Abraham receiving guests. It said that when Abraham was in, it was in a tent, that his tent was open on all four sides. So anyone coming from any direction would feel welcome to come in. So in, in the Bible also it's described that when a guest comes, you wash their feet, you offer them something cool to drink, you offer them something edible, right, some decoration, and especially if you're expecting them, especially if you're expecting them. So many years ago at the 55th Street Temple, we had a, a very wonderful, how would you say, tradition that became established. So 55th Street Temple means there were about 200 to 300 devotees in the temple. That was a huge building, 11-story building plus a downstairs. And the kirtans there, you know, most of us were young in those days. So how old was I when I lived there? Like 22 to 25 years old. So most of us were very young. There probably weren't, weren't any devotees over the age of 35. And we were, you know, full of that youthful energy and enthusiasm. And our kirtans, we were also very much in the fire of Krishna consciousness. You know, everybody went to Mangalarti. Almost everybody went on book distribution. It was easy to go on book distribution. You just walk out the door and you're right in central Manhattan. So our kirtans were so exuberant that sometimes they didn't end. So, for example, for greeting the deities and Guru Puja, sometimes the kirtans would go on. So the deity greeting was at 7. And sometimes the kirtans would go on and on and on until 9.30 in the morning and we wouldn't even have Bhagavatam class. And the same thing would sometimes happen in the evening. I don't think it ever happened for Mangalartik. And the devotees would be so full of enthusiasm that not only would the kirtans keep going on, but they would go out of the temple room. So the person leading the kirtan, he'd take the kirtan out of the temple room and start going through the building. We'd go down to the kitchen and the devotees would pull the pots and pans off the walls and start playing them like instruments. And we'd go all the way up to all the floors and up to the roof. So we had in those days, the first floor was a reception area, the temple room and a store. Second floor was uh, two huge prasadam halls. Third floor, there was the theater, professional theater. Fourth floor was back to Godhead. Uh, fifth and fifth, sixth floor were the brahmacharis. Seventh floor were the brahmacharinis. Eighth floor was the grahastas without children. Ninth floor was the grahastas with children. Tenth floor was for guests. Eleventh floor was for visiting sannyasis and Prabhupada's quarters. So that was, and downstairs there was a bakery, a huge kitchen, and a restaurant that could seat probably about 250 people. The temple room could hold probably well over 1,000 people, maybe 1,500 or even 2,000. So anyway, sometimes the kirtans would go like this, and we had at one point, Tamal Krishnamaraj was our GBC. So he decided that we should actually systematize this, and every Monday evening for the evening artik, we would actually plan to take the kirtan all through the building, and he took the little Radhakrishna deities, we put them in a palanquin, and uh, he would take them on procession through the building. And as they went through the building, they would stop at every room. 
And, you know, unless for some reason you weren't there in in the building at all, you were expected to be at your door with your door open. So although they never declared that it was a Maha, you know, special cleanup day, that's what happened. So on that Monday, in preparation for the deities coming all over the temple, we would clean the whole temple. And we would clean our own rooms. And each of us would stand by our rooms very much like this description here, right? It says here, Dwari Dwari Grihanam. So it wasn't much of a griha. It was just a tiny little room. But by every door, we'd be standing. We'd have plates of fruit. We'd have uh, sticks of incense as described here. I don't think any of us had water pots or sugar cane um, or, or yogurt. But we had various auspicious articles, and we would greet the, the Lord as he came to each of our rooms. And then after a while, and I should again say this was all very spontaneous. The, the kirtans going through the building were spontaneous. Then Tamal Krishmar's deciding to do it every Monday was very spontaneous. Each of us being at our doors with our door open and our room cleaned and greeting the deity, it was just spontaneous. Nobody told us to do this. So after a few weeks of that, then the residents of, I forget who started it, the residents of one floor decided that they were going to greet the Lord on behalf of the whole floor in addition to every room. So there there were two elevators in the building, two lifts, and as the Lord would, as the elevator door would open, and as the Lord and his attendants would come out of, of the lift, so there would be the, all the devotees from that floor would be right in the vestibule, in the corridor where the lift opens into, which is kind of a large area. And they'd be giving some kind of presentation to the deity. And then the deity would go down the corridor to each of the rooms. And as soon as one floor did this, well, there was immediately a competition. So this non-envious competition, this is part of the spiritual world. That the devotees in the spiritual world, they're thinking, oh, one person's doing some nice service. Let me do something nice also. Not out of envy. Not to put somebody else down. Unfortunately, in this world, uh, one way that we feel good about ourselves is by insulting others. If we want to feel good about being a housewife, then we insult some woman who's a preacher. If we want to feel good about being a sannyasi, then we insult the householders. If we want to feel good about being a book distributor, we insult the pujaris. So that's envy. But in the spiritual world, although there's competition, there's no envy. Oh, this person's done some wonderful thing for Krishna. We just get inspired out of joyfulness. Let me do that also. Oh, this devotee's made so much advancement and we're inspired. So we all felt very inspired and each floor was ha- started to have a kind of competition. And we would plan it often all week. Sometimes we'd plan a drama. Sometimes we'd plan a recitation of slokas. I remember one time going to Central Park and gathering all sorts of leaves and flowers, just like was described here. You know how they were putting sugar cane and, and fruit and different decorations all over their doorways. So I, I remember going with a bunch of devotees and gathering different leaves and flowers from Central Park. I mean, we didn't have any sugar cane. And we were decorating each doorway on the hallway, and we were decorating the vestibule outside the lift. And then after this went on for a while, pretty soon we decided that we were going to award prizes. Again, it was all spontaneous. And the temple leaders then began awarding prizes of a big maha plate 
and Maha Garland to every resident of the floor that had the nicest presentation for the deities. And it's hard for me to describe how exciting and enlivening this whole thing was. I mean, we really felt that the whole building belonged to Krishna and that not only were we coming down to uh, his place in the temple room every morning and greeting him, you know, we had Mangal Artik or what we specifically call in ISKCON greeting the deities when they're dressed in their day clothes and, of course, then greeting them again for Sundar Artik, but that Krishna was coming to our room. Krishna was coming to our room and we got to receive him. He was coming to each and every room. I remember when, when Krishna was visiting his friends, uh, was it uh, Bahulasva and uh, Shrutadev, I believe, and he split into two and he visited both of them at once and they each received him according to their own capacity. Hey, Krishna likes to visit the house of his devotees or how he visited Kubja and how he visited Akura. He likes to come to their house and say, how is my devotee doing? So this is so exciting, right? It's exciting to go places and it's exciting to receive a guest. And to receive a guest with full pomp. I'm thinking also, I'm, I'm just uh, now every day, I, I cycle through what I listen to every day while I do my puja for my deities. And right now I'm listening to Prabhupada dictating Krishna book. So I'm just at the part where Krishna has appeared in Kamsa's prison. And Vasudeva is offering prayers. And when he first sees that the Lord is there, he thinks generally when a baby's born, there's a huge celebration. Huge celebration. And if you're a Ksatriya, Vasudeva was a, a prince, a very wealthy prince. Uh, they give, not only do they celebrate, but they give in charity. They give gifts. Especially they give gifts to the Brahmanas of cows. He said, but I haven't just had a baby. I've had God come into my house. The Supreme Lord has appeared as my son. He said, how many millions and millions of times should I be prepared to celebrate? So if we can meditate right now, and if we can have a, a really special guest come to our home or come to our temple, right? somebody really special, uh, maybe some devotee that we really respect and whom we haven't seen in a long time, or maybe some big dignitary in the world. Now, maybe Nelson Mandela or Barack Obama or somebody like that, some famous person or some rich person like Bill Gates or uh, what's that, uh, Oprah, an influential person. So if you heard that some person was left like that was coming to your home or coming to the temple, you know, you'd make so many preparations. So many preparations. You know, when Prabhupada was traveling around the world, as soon as we knew Prabhupada is coming, I think one devotee, I think Mahamaya has written a book like that, Prabhupada is coming. When you knew that Prabhupada was coming, right, you not only do you clean the temple, you do all kinds of repairs. And especially to the quarters where Srila Prabhupada is going to stay, you make sure that everything is in working order. Maybe you repaint everything. Maybe you get some new furniture. You wash the curtains. Hey, you make sure that the bedding is everything. You really go out of your way. So just just think right now if you knew. Of course, sometimes when Prabhupada said he was coming, he didn't end up coming at all. Interesting. But any case, he would often change his, his plans depending on what would come up. But I'd like us to, to imagine right now 
that you just got to notice. You know, you just got to notice just uh, while you're listening to this class, you get an email message flashing or an SMS on your phone. Guess what? Krishna is coming and he's going to be there tomorrow morning. You've got 24 hours to prepare that Krishna himself is coming with his entourage. He's going to come with Radharani or he's going to come here we're in Dwarka, so maybe he's going to come with Rukmini or Sachabama or with Jambavati and her sons. He's going to come with his advisors like Uddhava, Satyaki. He's going to be coming to your house or he's going to be coming, you know, with with Radharani, with Madhu Mangal and Subal and Balaram, Yasoda, Nanda Maharaj, Lalita, Vishaka. They're all going to come to your house. You've got 24 hours to prepare. So what would you do? Well, I'm sure you would immediately stop listening to this class <laughs> and you would be going around your house uh, cleaning everything, repairing everything, ordering the best flowers. You'd really splurge, right? We, we would just say, okay, let me, let me go pick the most beautiful flowers. Uh, where was it? When my daughter-in-law was graduating, my uh, son-in-law's mother, Tarni, she went in and picked the most fragrant flowers and she made a, a garland for Nietzsche. So we would, uh, if you're here in Hawaii, you'd go out and pick the most fragrant flowers and if you're in most other places, you'd have to go to a florist shop and you would splurge, right? You'd get gardenias and stephanotas and tuberose and orchids. And you decorate your whole house with flowers. You'd make sure everything was in perfect working order. You know, that floppy curtain that had rips in it. You'd finally get rid of it. The couch that has the upholstery peeling off of it. You might say, well, this is the time to take it to the dump and buy a new couch. You'd really fix everything up. You'd make sure you had the finest ingredients, right? We'd make sure that we had fresh ghee. Maybe we'd buy some butter and, and make some ghee. We'd find some devotees who have a cow and we'd say, please give me some extra milk. And we would certainly make yogurt and deep fried curd sabji. <laughs> and we'd probably spend hours cooking down burfi. And we'd try to make sure everything was perfect. So actually what we are doing, we who are trying to be devotees of Krishna is that we are trying to receive Krishna at every moment. I, I read a, a very interesting thing written by one Christian minister some time ago where he was talking about what they call the Holy Spirit, which I think the closest equivalent we have is Paramatma, although it's not exactly the same concept. And he was saying that as soon as you accept Jesus, then the Holy Spirit comes to live with you. But that doesn't mean that you have a spirit-filled life. He was distinguishing between having an indwelling Holy Spirit and being spirit-filled. I was meditating on this, and I think that this is very much what we are doing as devotees when we are inviting the Lord into our heart. In one sense, the Lord is already there. Vishwara Sarvabhutanam Riddeshaya Junatistati. He's in our heart. Krishna is already there. He's already giving directions to everyone. 
to the spiders, to the polar bears, to the demons. Right, but still Prabhupada says that either Krishna can be your direct advisor or Krishna can remain unknown or obviously anything between there. So although Krishna is in everyone's heart, although Krishna is in everyone's heart, still most of the conditioned living entities, not only are they not aware that Krishna is in their heart, but actually they don't want to be aware that he's in their heart. They're, they turn their face away from him. Kama Asha, Krota Asha. They're full of, of, of desire and hatred. Every living entity is entered in this world full of desire and hatred. Full of duality. Wanting to see things as separate from Krishna. Wanting to see that I'm separate from Krishna. There's no God. So the devotee wants to become aware that Krishna is in their heart and actually invite the Lord to manifest within the heart. Invite him to show himself. Therefore, Prabhupada said in Geneva, chanting Hare Krishna means you make a diamond throne within your heart and you are bathing Krishna with Ganges water and Jamuna water, dressing him in various clothes, ornamenting him in different ways. This is what it means to chant Hare Krishna. So when we sit down to chant our japa or when we are dancing in the kirtan, we are inviting Krishna to fill us Not just that he's there in our heart, but we are inviting him, please fill me with your presence. Please make yourself known to me. Jagannatha Swami, Nayana Patagami, Bhava Tume. Please make yourself visible in the doorway of my heart. Mama, Mama, Mandire. Please come to my, my temple of my mind. I, please enter into the, the temple of my mind. I, I am inviting you. Right? Such a nice song. That I am inviting you into the temple of my mind. Mana mana mandire raha nisidin. Raha is to stay. Like we have diraha, separation. Nisidin, stay day and night. Not just that you walk past my door and I greet you for a moment. And how will I greet you in my heart? Bhakti Priti Mala Chandan. Bhakti Priti. I will, I will greet you with Priti, with affection, with Mala, with a garland, with Chandan, with sandalwood. So very much like one would greet a guest at the door. We're going to greet the Lord in our heart. Right? And, and why should the Lord come and, and manifest himself in our heart? Jivana Marana Tava Puja Nivedan. It, because, my dear Lord, whether life is wonderful, jivana marana, whether I'm full of life or whether I feel that I'm dying, whether everything's wonderful or everything's falling apart, tava you, puja nivedan, I will worship you and offer you prayers. Hey, this is what Lord Brahma says, satenukampam, shukshamikshamanam. That when something terrible happens, I offer more obeisances to the Lord. So, uh, of course, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is also saying this. He says, uh, is it Jivane Marane? Sampade Vipade Jivane Marane. So whether things are going well, things are going badly, whether I'm dying, whether I'm living, I will always worship you. 
Why Sundarhe Manahari? Manahari, you've stolen my mind. So please, please, Krishna, come in. Habe Prema Pradipe Arti Tomar. Prema Pradipe. We have in today's verse about the Deepa, the, the candles, as Prabhupada translated it in his original Bhagavatam. Uh, the candles, the ghee lamps. But what light am I offering in my heart? Prema the light of love. Arati Tomar. I will offer you Arati with a light of love. So this is how we should be receiving Krishna. When we are making an offering of food, when we're chanting in the kirtan, when we're chanting our japa, when we are worshiping the deities on our on our altar or just even a picture of Krishna on our altar through everything we're doing. Yat kiroshi, yat agnasi, yat sahosi, didasi, yat Whatever we're doing, we should be inviting Krishna. Whatever austerities we're doing, we're inviting Krishna. You be the Bhoktaram. You be the enjoyer of this. Please, please come. Manifest in my heart. Manifest on my altar. Manifest on my tongue. Manifest in my home. And why should you manifest here? Because I'm going to greet you properly. I'm going to have you be the enjoyer. Not that, oh, here I'm chanting, but I'm going to neglect you. Here you're on my altar, but I'm going to neglect you. Here you're in the shastra I'm holding, but I'm going to neglect you. Oh, okay, now, Krishna, you're in my house, but now I'm going to watch a movie. Please go away. Now I'm going to blaspheme some devotees. Please go away. No, make Krishna there always. You're the enjoyer of what I'm doing. You're the owner. Sarvaloka Maheshwara, you're the controller of my life. Please manifest yourself in my life. And then you might say, well, suppose Krishna doesn't come. Suppose I invite him. I should be constantly inviting him. Please, please come. I'll worship you with the lamplight of my love. I'll worship you with affection. I'll give you everything auspicious. Ultimately, Atmani Vedanam, I will give you my very self. But he may not come. It's like sometimes Prabhupada would say he was coming to a temple and they'd fix the place up and they'd do this and do that. He'd say, oh, I have to change my plans for my preaching. I'm not going to come. So we may make a nice sacred space in our house and put aside our time. This morning I woke up super early. And I was thinking I'm going to spend extra time before giving this class, extra japa today, extra reading. And, and then when I went in the bathroom, and it turned out that there was a problem with the washing machine and the whole floor was flooded and I had to spend an hour cleaning up the floor. You know, if things don't work out, if Krishna doesn't manifest, if you spend your time focusing on your japa and somehow Krishna doesn't manifest, Right? As the song goes on, Tomara virahe giridhari, virahe, you're not here. My dear giridhari, I've welcomed you. I've bought you a beautiful altar with a marble top. I've gotten gardenias for you. I made burfi. I cleaned my house. I sat down, focused my mind on your holy names. I read the Bhagavatam. I served the devotees. And still, Tomana Virahe Giridhari. So then what do I do? I just say, oh, well, 
guess he didn't show up. No. Nayana Jamune Jare Anibar. That the universe is empty without you. Govinda Virahename. Sunyai Tamjagat Sarvam Govinda Virahename. The universe is empty. That's a kind of madness that the universe is empty. But if you don't show up, Krishna, the universe is empty. I will just cry a river like the Jamuna. But what will I do? Will I get discouraged? No. Bandanagani Tabubaju Jivana. That I will just go on praying. Whether you show up or not, whether you grace me or not, I will simply go on life after life after life praising you. Of course, the irony is as soon as one does this, as soon as one intensely feels the separation of Krishna, like Srimati Radharani said, when I'm with Krishna, I see one Krishna. When I feel separation from Krishna, there are millions of Krishnas. So as soon as one feels this intense separation, why aren't you coming, my Lord? Why aren't you coming? Why aren't you manifesting? When will you show your mercy to me? As Maharaj Prajapuruja said, he said, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes to show mercy to everyone except a king named Prachaparudra. So we cry a river of Jamuna and we go on singing Krishna's praises waiting for him to manifest. And that is the real manifestation of Krishna. When we are in that mood, then Krishna is everywhere. And then we do feel, we feel filled with Krishna. Therefore, when Gopal Kumar went to Goloka Vrindavan, he went there at a time when Krishna was in the forest and everyone who was in the village was feeling separation. And he said, I can't tell whether the people here are experiencing the highest ecstasy or the deepest sorrow. But he also said that this ecstasy of separation, it dances on the heads of all other happiness. So this should be our constant mood in our service. Constantly. That I'm greeting Krishna. I'm begging Krishna to come. I'm preparing myself to be a nice place for him to come. I want Krishna to want to come. Therefore, bhakti attracts Krishna. Bhakti attracts Krishna. If someone sends you an invitation... Actually, this happened to, uh, I, I shouldn't say who it happened to, but anyway, it happened to somebody I'm very close to, that a friend of theirs said, oh, we'd like you to come and, and, and do this program. We want you to come and, and I don't want to say too many details or give away who it is, and I don't want to offend anybody. Anyway, uh, they, please come to this program, and you can put on a presentation of what you're particularly good at for this program. I think it was for John Mastami. You know, and you'll, it, you'll get first-class accommodation and prasadam. Everything will be just taken care of. So a close friend of mine went with her friend, and they had to travel something like 10 hours of driving, and they finally get to the place, and everything was dirty. There was no proper place for them even to sit down. There was no proper place for them to put their things and, and change into their, their outfits to give their presentation and so forth. And so as soon as they were finished, doing what they were doing on stage, they got back in their car and drove another 10 hours to leave that place. So we may say, Krishna, please come, Krishna, please come. But if he comes to our heart, 
and our hearts full of filth. Instead of, you know, yogurt and, and fruit and sugar cane, it's just like a big compost pile. And he may, he may turn around, right? So we should always be inviting the Lord to come. And then when he comes, making him welcome. And if we don't uh, understand how he's manifest, then we should be feeling his separation. I'm also thinking of the story of Shabari. So Shabari was a tribal woman who became the disciple of Matangamuni. This is during the time of Lord Ramachandra. And although she became a disciple, because she had been uh, raised as a tribal, she was never really able to fully imbibe all of the proper behaviors of a brahmana. And she became a perfectly God-realized, self-realized soul. When her uh, guru, Matangamuni, was going to leave the planet, she wanted to go with him at that time, leave her body also at that time. And he said, no. He said, I can tell by my mystic vision that Lord Ramchandra and his brother Lakshman are going to pass by this hermitage. He said, you need to stay to greet them. And then you can attain to the spiritual kingdom later. So she had faith in the words of her guru. Ah, oh, the Supreme Lord himself, Lord Ramachandra, is going to come and visit me at my hermitage. Of course, he didn't say when he was going to come. So she didn't know. Maybe he's going to come today. What day is he going to come? What time is he going to come? <coughs> so every day she prepared the hermitage to greet him. She would pick so many flowers. And she would decorate the path with flowers. Not just decorate, but she would put them uh, several inches deep to make a soft, fragrant path for the Lord to walk on to the hermitage. And she was living out in the forest. She, she didn't really have access to any kind of opulent food. But she would pick berries every day, and she would have the berries ready to feed him. Now, the kind of berries that she was, had access to, you weren't able to tell how good they were just by looking at them or feeling them or smelling them. You know, with a lot of kind of fruit, you can tell by squeezing them or you can tell like with cantaloupe and honeydew melon, you can tell by smelling. Sometimes you can tell by knocking on them, by like a watermelon, right, or the color, how the color changes. But some kinds of fruits, you know, you really can't tell whether or not the fruit is any good by any of those external means. So that's the kind of berry she had. The only way you could tell whether they were sweet or sour was actually by tasting them. So she would pick all these berries, and then she would take a little bite of each one to tell whether or not it was sweet, and she'd put aside the sweet ones, which, of course, all had bite marks in them. She did this every day for year after year after year after year. She became older and older and older. And, of course, we know that one day Ram and Lakshman did come. After Ravana kidnapped Sita, Ram and Lakshman were looking for her. They got the advice from Jatayu that Ravana had taken her and gone to the south. Right? Then they uh, killed the monster Kadamba, and Kadamba assumed the form of a Gantarva, and he told them, go to Shabari at Matangamuni's ashram. So Raman Lakshman then went to Shabari's ashram. And one day she was setting out the flower petals on the path. 
and chanting Ram, 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 Ram. There actually manifested Ram. And she was able to receive him. And of course, he very happily accepted her bitten berries. After uh, She told Ram to go to Lake Pampa and meet with Sugriva. After that time, she left her body and attained to the spiritual world. So this should also be the mood in our devotional service. Is my heart a fit place? Is my chanting of Japa fit? Is my altar fit or my offerings fit? Is my life fit so that Krishna will want to come and manifest? Let me feel his intense separation and let me call him by the the sincerity of my heart and be ready always to receive him. And of course, when Krishna does come, just like explained here, that when Krishna comes, he accepts the offering and then the rest is distributed as prasadam. Uh, We might think that if I dedicate everything to Krishna and I work only for Krishna's pleasure, then what's there going to be for me? There won't be anything for me. It'll all be for Krishna. But no, it's not like that. When we give everything to Krishna, everything, our very self to Krishna, without any consideration for my own pleasure, then Krishna shares that pleasure with us and we enjoy, practically speaking, on the same level as Krishna. That is his prasad. We should also just mention uh, briefly before closing Prabhupada's final sentence that without distribution of food, no function is complete, and that is the way of Vedic culture. Of course, this reminds us of the sacrifices and the modes of nature that Krishna discusses in the Bhagavad Gita, that a sacrifice where there's no remuneration to the priests and where there's no distribution of sanctified foodstuffs is one in the mode of ignorance. So we have to make sure that those who are uh, acting as the priests for our sacrifice, that they are properly taken care of. And we have to make sure anytime there is any kind of sacrificial performance like Sankirtan Jagya, that there is also distribution of food. So that we act as the agents of distributing Krishna's mercy to everyone. So thank you very much. I'm going to switch over to the other mic now and ask if there's any questions or comments. Okay, Prabhu. So uh, you can unmute if you would like to say anything. I've automatically unmuted everybody on free conferencing. If you need to mute, if there's some background noise, you can always press star six, go in and out. If there's any comments and questions, please go ahead. Hi, Krishna Mother, Armalai Radhana. I wanted to ask you about the temple in New York that you were talking about. On the very top floor was Srila Prabhupada's quarters, and there were a set of small Radha Krishna deities. Do you know anything? If those were his childhood deities, or were they? I don't know. As far as I know, Prabhupada's childhood deities ended up in Mayapur. But I, I really don't know. You'd have to ask somebody else. Um, I was thinking the person who really would know is not with us anymore. Hmm. I remember Paul Krishna was there, that's why. Yeah, the person who would would actually know, who took care of Prabhupada's quarters and Prabhupada's museum and then had a Prabhupada museum later on in Brooklyn, uh, he he had a heart attack and left his body a couple years ago. Hi, Krishna, this is Carla Petit. Adibo. 
Haribo, Prabhu. Thank you for the class. It was wonderful. Um, I was just thinking when you were commenting about um, Prabhupada and how he would change his plans and how the devotees would get ready. I was in charge of his quarters for many years in Los Angeles in the early uh -huh. 70s. And my instruction as the person being in charge was to maintain his quarters as if he was due tomorrow. Wow. So even very... when he wasn't there, I was there every single day cleaning those quarters. Um, had a whole routine so that there never was a big thing to have to get ready for him, unless we were deciding maybe to repaint or do new curtains or, or something. But it was constantly maintained as if he were there all the time. Very and, nice. Um, That's what we should do with our own japa, with our own kirtan, with our own cooking, with our own house, exactly like that. And maybe every once in a while do a big cleaning and painting, you know. Every once in a while go on a Joppa retreat. <laughs> Anybody else? Uh, hi, Krishna Umiro Prabhu. Uh, thanks a lot for the nice class. Uh, this is Ellen speaking. Um, I, I just wanted to ask, um, when, when Krishna appears to a devotee, uh, uh, how does the devotee keep uh, uh, his or her composure? Isn't the devotee too overwhelmed by, by seeing Krishna? Oh, yes. But that makes Krishna very happy. So how, how is the devotee so able to serve him? Huh? How is the devotee able to serve him? Isn't the devotee too that, overwhelmed? That is the highest service. When will my eyes be decorated with tears of love flowing constantly when I chant the holy name? When will my voice choke up and when will the hairs of my body stand on end at the recitation of your name? And if you read Bhakti Manot Thakur's uh, expansion, I might be able to pull this up here, of, of the Shikshastika in his song. And he, he also, let's see if I can find that. But this is the... Uh, <laughs> This is exactly how the Krishna is the most happy. I mean, how are you the most happy? You're the most happy when somebody becomes very, very happy to see you. Yes. Right? Oh, here he goes. When will my body be filled with ecstatic rapture? When will there be perspiration, trembling, and a stunned sensation again and again? This is Bhaktivinoda Thakura. This is from uh, Gitavali. He expands on the Shikshastika. When, at a divine ecstasy, will all consciousness be lost in my pale and discolored body? And when will I hold on to my very life under the shelter of your holy name? So why, why do the devotees pray for this, this sort of ecstasy? Where they, you know, we find this described in Madhurya Kanambani, how when Krishna appears, the devotee, he, the devotee keeps losing consciousness, or when uh, Vishnu appeared to Dhruva and Dhruva became dumbstruck. He couldn't speak. But, you know, that's the ultimate gift that you can give someone is that you're overwhelmed with happiness just to be in their presence. I mean, what do we really want from the people that we love? You know, where I'm staying here with my son, they have a a two-year-old two child and a three-month-old child. So both those very little children 
they become so demonstratively happy if you just spend time with them and give them attention. You know, I, I remember one day my son did something for the two-year-old, and she was just beaming with happiness. He did some little thing. And she, she was just jumping up and down with happiness and smiling. And, and immediately when he saw that, he was also smiling, and he was also beaming, or the little baby. You know, you just pick up the baby and smile at him and bounce him around on your knee, and he starts laughing and smiling. And you just want to do it again and again and again. It, it's such a, I mean, there's, there's no greater reward than that. Why does the man buy his wife diamonds? So he'll say, oh, thank you. Right? That's what we're looking for. What's Krishna looking for? Krishna wants to be loved. He doesn't need anything. He just wants to be loved. And when Krishna sees that we, our love for him is so intense that we can't even control the manifestations of that love. Right? When Krishna sees the gopis coming to him with their clothing all disarrayed. I, I mean, you know, normally, if a young girl is going to meet a young boy that she loves, she's not disarrayed. You know, I mean, some young girl... Some young girl who's going to meet a boy that, that she that she wants to impress. You know, if, if her parents say, okay, we're going to introduce you to some boy you might marry. She's going to dress up and she's going to spend a long time dressing up. She's going to be very careful. Right? There's not going to be one piece of hair out of place. But the gopis got so, now usually the gopis do that, but sometimes they get so excited to see Krishna. They put their saris on upside down. Upside down, inside out. They have, you know, makeup on one eye and earring on one ear. And they put their necklace on as a belt and their belt on as a necklace. And their ankle bells on their wrists. And they're all, Prabhupada said they look as if a little child had tried to dress themselves. Sometimes little children, they, they think that their shirts are pants and they put their legs through the armholes. Right, and they, they present this little charming scene, right? So that's how the gopis appeared before Krishna. But it gave him so much happiness. Why? Because it showed that they loved him so much. Their love was so intense that they forgot themselves. And they weren't able to control show how they showed that love. They weren't able to keep a lid on it anymore. So therefore, the devotees' demonstrations of ecstasy, the devotees try to control these, these sattva kabbas. They, they try to keep a lid on it. I mean, that's also natural, you know. If you're in love with somebody, it's not for public display. I mean, maybe in modern society. In modern society, people are practically whatever. They're doing everything and anything in public. But civilized society, you don't show you know, your intense affection for somebody in public. It's a private thing. So generally the devotee, they keep their love for Krishna somewhat hidden. It's, it's not for display. They don't, they don't openly talk about it. They don't openly show it. And if they feel upsurge, upsurgings of, of ecstasy, they try to repress the external symptoms. 
but when the love is so intense that they can't suppress those symptoms. So that makes Krishna much happier than giving him some incense and a lamp. <laughs> Thank you, Prabhu. Very, very sweet. <laughs> Anybody else? Well, all I got to say is that tomorrow, either uh, Narahari Prabhu or myself is supposed to get a class. I don't know how in the world we're going to do that after this class. Thank you, thank you for your association. My goodness, this was just so wonderful. Really top rate. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak about Krishna. Hari Bo. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai. Jai. Hari Bo. Jai. Hari Hari Bo. Hari. Oh,